0: Welcome, everyone, to the Watchmen podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for Watchmen on HBO. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. The
1: Watchmen podcast by Fantastic Geek for Chapter 4, Watchmaker, comes to you now.
0: Pete, counting down the days until everyone will get to see the Watchmen pilot on HBO that, of course, October 20th. But word just in the last day that uh, some of us, Pete, headed to New York Comic Con, will be able to see the pilot a little early. This move makes
1: the most possible sense and was really hoping this was going to be the case. Not just because we were going, but it, it just makes sense. Everything, showrunner Damon Lindelof's connection to comic-con you know lore and having mentioned that in his letter to fans and to mr alan moore uh you know about uh 17 months ago um so yeah the the result is we were already going to be there we will now be at the panel and now it's a screening and see this and uh tell you as much as we're allowed to uh, before it airs, obviously on the now announced date of Sunday, October twentieth,
0: we will also be there for all the Marvel goodness, the Star Trek goodness, and more. So make sure you send us any questions you might want us to to ask or to listen out for answers for, uh, as we look ahead to New York Comic Con uh, again. Talking Marvel, talking Star Trek, and talking Watchmen. Our focus for today.
1: Let's get to that chapter four recap.
0: The opening image is a photograph of John Osterman and Janie Slater at a carnival. The chapter discusses doctor Manhattan slash John Osterman's life. When his father, a watchmaker, hears about the bombing of Hiroshima, he pushes John to become a scientist. John attends Princeton University and is eventually employed by a research lab at Gila Flats in nineteen fifty nine, where he meets and eventually falls in love with Janie Slater. At a carnival, a fat man steps on and breaks Janie's watch. John later fixes the watch, but forgets it in his lab coat. When he goes to retrieve his lab coat from a test vault, he is accidentally locked in. To everyone's horror, the vault has automatically time-locked, and generators have already began warming up to begin an experiment, removing an intrinsic field. John is then disintegrated in a flash of light. A month later, ghosts of John begin to appear at the research site. First, a circulatory system, then a muscled skeleton, and so forth. Finally, he appears as a complete being, entirely blue, with abilities far greater than that of a normal human being. He retains all of his memories and has a vaguely similar physical feature, although he appears distant and somewhat unemotional to those around him. He is almost immediately recruited as a military asset of the United States, given the moniker Dr. Manhattan. In 1966 john leaves Janie for the then 16 year old laurie he becomes a hero at vietnam and is the only superhero left to be active after the keen act besides the comedian who is employed by the government and rorschach who evades capture then john briefly remembers laurie leaving him and his current activities on mars he creates a giant glass structure that rises from the soil then stands on its balcony to watch a meteor shower the closing quotation the release of atom power has changed everything except our way of thinking the solution to this problem lies in the heart of mankind if i had only known i would have become a watchmaker that from albert einstein the attached document the introduction to dr manhattan superpowers and superpowers by professor milton glass of course comes with the quote uh the misquote rather the superman exists and he's american instead glass says that the quote was, God exists and he's American.
1: Matt, the real superheroes, however, are the people who help Fantastic Geek do our jobs and bring you all this content. The people who head to
0: patreon.com slash fantastic geek and keep old Fantastic Geek running. Yes, we have this document that you know tells us reminds us where we're headed with all the different things that we're podcasting not just watchmen this fall and into the into the early parts of winter but the mandalorian runaways etc marvel movies that come out um and all of it made possible by the people who support us on patreon.com and we remain so grateful to have their support
1: everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content there's all sorts of levels Past that, there is the be able to reassemble yourself at will uh, level that, uh, you know, Dr. Manhattan has put in there for you. So check it out today.
0: Well, Pete, with that, let's dig on into the analysis of this chapter. What are your initial thoughts as we begin to dive on in?
1: I mentioned it in our previous uh, revisitation for chapter three, and I'll just mention it again. This is my favorite issue of any comic book of all time and uh you know this is as close to perfect as you're ever going to get as we've ever seen in a comic book issue
0: on its surface or on some sort of 12 issue plan what does chapter four need to accomplish well it is the flashback episode at least flashback for dr manhattan and that's true enough but of course it's not this linear flashback we're getting it in both a mixed up order but also one that we can comprehend on the first read uh i think too it is so well presented and so clear to follow that sometimes the the temporal nature of it all in terms of uh dr manhattan uh is both seeing the future seeing the past simultaneously but also living in those moments in the present this issue explains that difficult concept well without kind of having an exposition scene with all due respect to to avengers endgame of hey back to the future is baloney here's how it actually works wait let's reinforce that with another scene which involves uh the ancient one and clear blinky lines that can demonstrate what i'm saying this just in the background is saying he lives these moments he knows these moments are coming but he doesn't change these moments
1: and the same time you know we've previously set up the the tachyon interference so godlike powers seeming omnipotence but at the same time not and it all just services itself so well And like you said, you know, we have the origin story via flashback here and incorporating the various stops we've made before uh, the Minutemen, Vietnam, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, to to get into inevitably in our conversations, we reference the 2009 Zack Snyder film and the the stuff it does best the 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 Dr. Manhattan, you know, uh, calm flashback to what had taken place, ending his life and turning him into this super being is among the best stuff. I mean, do do they go with the original black suit with the with the blue waistband? They don't again, where they they might have, you know perfected it but, uh, you know, they they touch on so many of these moments and even in the outstanding credit sequence in the beginning, you know, JFK and, uh, you know, Dr. M there uh, to to, uh, make that symmetrical uh, coming across.
0: There's also these wonderful little touches, I think, for example, of the one panel uh, where you get, a return to that uh, that one and only meeting for the crime busters and it's immediately recognizable even though the um the perspective has been shifted um and of course now places dr manhattan at the top um but we see everybody kind of in that familiar circle from a couple issues ago we see captain metropolis just starting to put up the map so it's kind of clear that we're prior to the moment where comedian declares it's all hooey and, and all of that before it all falls apart. We know, too, in that panel that that Dr. Manhattan's uh, head will be turned by, uh, by Laurie in the course of that scene, though it doesn't happen right at that moment. And it's all just, it's presented in such a clean, fluid way.
1: I can't but help hear the soundtrack music as... Um... Osterman gets stuck in the machine and then it's counting down and then he's disassembled and then begins to reassemble himself. Um, You know, again, it holds up really well with the film version. And I'm tickled pink now that, you know, it's public that Dr. Manhattan is going to return and interested to see in the HBO series what do they address of these origins and where he's been ever since and the nature of his powers and his seeming apathy toward mankind at times. And and now he's back.
0: We also get some story set up though. It doesn't feel like that. We have one brief page where uh, Dr. Manhattan and Lori go to visit Adrian Veidt in his Arctic base. And we meet the the cat and kind of the the whole, Yeah, the whole kind of the fact that this will become the place of showdown, the place of the climax for the entire novel, uh the fact that it should come off as the supervillain lair, even Pete the fact that we get this one panel pretty, you know, pretty detailed where um Dr. Manhattan asks, you know, aren't people limited by their consciences? And we get the biggest, you know, in the, in the response to that, we get the biggest head in that panel. It's Vite looking at the reader saying, let's hope so. Let's hope that there are uh, consciences with people acting with such great powers. It's all set up. It could all come as some sort of, you know, black-hatted villain warning, but it doesn't. It just becomes a moment so we're we are somewhat detached emotionally, uh, as is Doctor Manhattan. I mean in a good sense. We're just kind of seeing things flow by as he does, and it doesn't come off as this moment where we say, "Hey, there is this mystery as to who's killing these people, and and maybe this guy is it."
1: And that's a fascinating point. Thing that draws my attention really kind of in the guts of the chapter is. Uh, the the meeting between Dr. Manhattan and Hollis Mason, kind of that handoff. We've got the iconic statuette there and the discussions that they have this juxtaposed with the scene of uh, Manhattan in uh, uh you know, uh, underground vice den, you know, liquefying people, something that's done really, really shockingly in the film where they, you know, hit the tin ceiling and then are dripping all over the ladies and everything. It's just, yeah.
0: Uh, And I mean, what you're talking about is a sense of it's, it's a sense of a, the adaptation process that you can show in a comic panel, the frozen second of explosion without, the the fire coming before it or the aftermath afterwards you know logical in a motion picture to show beginning middle and after but you know then you get to that snyderian sense of is it overkill to show blood chunks everywhere and all of that and you know for many people it is the the viscosity from which uh
1: it'll, it'll hang from the ceiling etc cetera, etc cetera. um And then, you know, you get the gigantic panel there of Dr. Manhattan, who can manipulate his size in Vietnam. Again, I can hear Flight of the Valkyries earlier uh, checked for us in an issue now, um, you know, no doubt playing. With the helicopters in front of him and the uh, Vietnamese wanting to the Viet Cong wanting to surrender to him personally, this this godlike appearance persona that he he never buys into, um, which I think is really important there. You mentioned the the Ozymandias, the Adrian Veidt inclusion in this chapter, you know, somebody who has a real sense that he's trying to be godlike. when it's manhattan who is the god who does not see himself as one
0: in the television footage uh where we get the the, the breathless quote the breathless misquote uh we repeat the superman exists and he is american pete i know there was a period of time in the 70s where DC Comics shifted Clark Kent from being a newspaper reporter to being a uh, being a TV, uh, you know, on-air newsreader, it has always crossed my mind that in that panel that is meant to be some kind of Clark Kent. I'm not saying in a full, you know, DC Elseworlds crossover kind of thing, but I've always read that as, you know, as 1960s, 1970s, this is the 60s when the, uh, when the, the accident happens, um i've always read that as clark kent ish or clark kent reading the news particularly with that line you know the superman exists and he is american
1: yeah and i think it's important too that we check that dc you know superman batman universe inside the watchman does not exist if that doesn't first And being able to take those, I mean, if Manhattan isn't some form of Superman, if, uh, Night Owl isn't, you know, a variation of, of Batman, but instead of being, uh, rich, we're going to make him, you know, kind of, a he's still kind of wealthy. We never, ever get much explanation in terms of how, um, You know he's he's got the the wealth but he's got the underground layer he's got the gadgets all that stuff there and then to make it their own and go to the places that batman and superman and wonder woman and all those have not really gone as much and with far greater acclaim um so yeah i I think there's definitely something to pick up on there and and to you know, acknowledge your roots, but then to become its own thing.
0: Looking at the, uh, the material at the end, I must confess, Pete, I don't know that I have ever fully read word for word the entire addendum. Uh, this, an excerpt from Dr. Manhattan superpowers and the superpowers. I feel like on a certain level, this is the most fillery of the fillers. Um, Yes, of course, there's the great quote at the end. You know, God exists and he's American. We are all living in the shadow of Manhattan, et cetera. But to me, this this is the one. I don't know, maybe maybe it does get worse when I think about the Dan Dreiberg article on uh, is it owls <laughs> later on. You hate, you hate the owls. <laughs> well, I mean, when you had the under the hood stuff, it's such an interesting, shocking, quote unquote, real world look at it where you, where you just kind of can't pry yourself away uh, and it's giving you new information on things you're already knew. it's giving you information uh, about events that have yet to happen etc cetera, et cetera. it's got this rereadability this one here it's just you know i get it alan moore sat there at his typewriter and typed out a, you know typed out dr milton glass's uh, introductory manifesto but it just doesn't quite land as much as Hey, here's a little history of superheroes in this universe.
1: Respectfully, of course, I will disagree. This is the first attached document that's not under the hood. I'm sure, you know, when people picked up this fourth issue, they were shocked, Matt. Where's my under the hood? And instead, we get all this and the great payoff of, of the misquotes and, and how that all comes back to everything we've seen before. Um, you know you wish you could have gotten this earlier but again in the perfection of this chapter just working uh you know to to put it all together at the end it, it could not have come earlier it's it's like dr manhattan himself matt it, it was always there yet it's appearing for the first time
0: Well, Pete, as we continue to make our way through the novel, how can people be in touch with you to talk about the graphic novel, to talk about the series, to talk about New York Comic Con, etc.?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, K E T E L A -A 10,625 followers, can't be wrong.
0: And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more.
1: Facebook.com slash FantasticGeek with a PH, all one word, like it today.
0: Well, we will be back before you know it to talk Chapter 5 of this landmark graphic novel. With that, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. And I'm gone.